the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, series two, episode five, Managing Ego. What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach, Dr. Sunil, invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind, and spirit, which will ultimately have us dancing with wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, as we come on a quest to make sense of life. Well, that's absolutely true. Um, my name is Elliot Frisby, and uh, I'm here with Sunil Rahija. And this is what we do. We talk about wisdom. Exactly. We wisdom. And we try to understand what it means to dance with wisdom in a complex, confusing, challenging, chaotic world, even it, before COVID. And it is. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next progression of these podcasts, because if I'm honest with you, I felt like I kind of knew what wisdom was. <laughs> And now I'm going in, I suddenly feel like... We're scratching I, the surface, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I feel like I'm suddenly pulled. It's like a spider graph with all the different ones yes. coming off. And I feel like I'm desperately willing to l learn more now. So You're a great student. You're a great student. <laughs> You're a great student. <laughs> Thanks. Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so let's... This is where I'm at. So I'm thinking if, if I'm feeling a bit torn and a bit confused, then yes. others will as well. Yes. So my teacher. Um, oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> you've, you've, you've done it now. Oh, dear. So, okay. so so let's just say, right, okay, I yes, I want it. I okay. want to discover. I've made that decision. What now? You Where know, do we I, go from now? Because one thing that you touch in your book is about ego. Yes. You talk about ego, and I found that, that there was a whole massive section on it. Yes. And when I hear about ego, I think to myself, I really want it, but oh, that's that egotistical. Yeah. Ego is a negative word. Can you just touch on this? Yes, we're going to talk about ego. And obviously when we use the word ego, if we, if we say somebody's got an ego, we're not really giving them a compliment. Before I talk about that, I just thought let's just put this in context with everything else. We've talked in previous podcasts about the need to discover wisdom. And then we've talked about, you know, why wisdom and about wisdom is this quest for the best possible life and for the best version of yourself and connecting us to these timeless truths. And then we've talked about why we should desire wisdom and wisdom for the heart or wisdom for the mind and ultimately wisdom for life itself, every aspect of it. So that's in a sense of discovering and desiring it. But now how do we develop it? And that brings us to the question of ego. And ego is an interesting thing, really, because ego, psychologists talk about ego as being, as it were, the bridge between the id, which is the primitive part of oneself, where we have all those, as it were, inward desires for self-gratification, selfish desires often. And if you like the superego, which is like our moral policeman, our conscious that tells us, no, you shouldn't do that. Yes, you should do, you know, go this way, don't go that way. So the ego sits in between. And as I said, when we talk about ego, we tend to think of it in a negative sense. But the fact is, all of us have got an ego. And how do I use my ego in a way that helps me rather than hinders me? Because if I give in to, as I said, remember sitting between the id and the superego, if I give in to those selfish desires, I have all sorts of thoughts and ideas that go through my head. Some are healthy and some not so healthy. And yet sometimes I have, at times, I get overcautious, I get fearful, I get worried about making a mistake. And maybe in those cases, my superego is being too powerful. So walking on wisdom 
is about managing our ego in a way that's healthy rather than unhealthy. Can we just have a very quick overview here? Ego, what is ego? Let's yeah. just, can we just establish that? Because for me, when you're saying like, you know, ego, I think, oh, such an ego, yes. such an ego, it's so negative, isn't it? It does sound so but, negative. But the thing is, the way you talk about it is, is a positive. It can, well, yeah. I'm trying to say it's getting the right balance of it. So what we tend to think of, we, we, we quickly rush to the person, when we say somebody's got an ego, we think they're arrogant, they're full of themselves, they're trying to make an impression on others, they're, they're very self-centered, which is absolutely true. But you know, ego can go the other way as well. So one of the sort of uncomfortable realizations that I had was, you know, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts, is I've struggled with depression and burnout. And one of the things I realized is that when I was going through those times in my life, actually it was my ego. So having a very low opinion of yourself can actually be quite egotistical because it's actually focusing on the self. Tim Keller, who's, a, who's an author who I follow a lot and a very helpful um, teacher, he talks about unhealthy pride, in, in, and it's very linked to pride, is this ruthless, unsmiling concentration on the self. It's this where everything is revolving around me. Now, again, think about this developmentally. This concentration, this self-centeredness in a two or three-year-old is incredibly cute. You know, you, you've, got, you've got young children. Can you remember when your children are two, three, four, five? It's beautiful about how the whole, the whole universe revolves around them and, and how delighted they are by things and, and, and how, you know, they want your attention. It's beautiful. But that same attitude in a 15-year-old or a 25-year-old or a 35-year-old is not pretty. In fact, it's, it's ugly. It looks really bad with somebody who's completely self-centered and self-absorbed. And that's, in a sense, is managing and understanding that getting that right balance between not too high opinion of myself and not too low opinion of myself. That is the big challenge in managing our ego. So I have to jump in here. Just, um, But with the way you just phrased it then, mm. with the youngster having that ego and that I want that attention, I want this, that's really quite beautiful. Mm. But you're saying as they get older, as a teenager, it is appeared and deemed to be if it's quite unchecked, if it's if it's not in balance. But I'm saying is is it also a potential cry for help? Well, yes. I mean, in a sense, if, if you've got a 15 year old or a 25 year old who's showing very self centered behaviours, is it a cry for attention? Well, it's showing that something's not quite right. It's showing that mm. the ego is, in a sense, more and more out of control. That's, that's so. What... Should wisdom be taught before we get to that stage? So, so yeah, when well, you get to the, when you get to that stage, they have the capabilities of it not being ugly, as you refer to it. Yeah, I mean, in in a sense, that requires that you have to. It requires wisdom because when you're in that state, all you're thinking is about yourself, and you're not able to bring in other perspectives, other points of view, and you become very, very self-centered. I give a quote in the book from John Newton, uh, who was a, a slave trader, and he wrote, you know, that famous hymn, "Amazing Grace." Was what, the, what page is this? Just in case if anyone's got their book is, at hand, this right is page now. 95. page ninety-five. Page ninety-five. Okay, so page ninety-five. And I, I just love, in a sense, how he managed to keep his ego in check. So remember, this was a guy who was a slave trader, had lived a dreadful life, a dreadfully self-centered life. You I know, mean, he did appalling things. You know, he would take slaves from Africa, and I, I read papers. You know, I mean, it's pretty disgusting. Stuff stuff that he did but he had a huge spiritual awakening and in fact actually became a church pastor and he wrote his most famous hymn is amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see and 
that shows his spiritual awakening that he had. But he also had a saying, which I've always gone back to. He says, and, it, and for me, it captures what it means to have a healthy ego. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not what I want to be, but I thank God I'm not what I once was. So he says, I am here. I am where I am. And that's by God's grace. So I'm not ashamed by it. I'm not embarrassed by it. Okay. I'm not proud of it in an unhealthy way, but I'm here. This is who I am. I am who I am. I'm not what I want to be. So there's a long way to go. I see that there's lots of things I've got to learn and develop and grow in. And the danger with that is that if I think I've got a long way to go, I can go into despair and think, oh, it's such a long journey. I'll never, I'll never make it. It's so hard. No, but I don't look at that. I look back and I think, thanks for how far I've come. So that's a very healthy balance of ego. That's actually walking in wisdom. That's living in wisdom. I mean, it sounds it. The way you, the way you just described it sounds like, yeah, you are walking in wisdom. You're not dancing. You're, you're walking. You're you know, walking you're, with it. Yeah, that's you're, right. You're and you, you, you've, got, you've got a healthy view of yourself. Because, you, you, know, you, you know, you've seen that, you know, you've seen people who, for example, are, are doing very kind and good things. And say, so, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, you know, uh, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. And, and don't, you know, and I'm just a nobody, you know, the kind of Uriah Heap kind of person. I'm just a nobody. That's, I would say, a false humility, a false modesty. And then obviously... There's a more obvious full of themselves. Look at me. Look at how great I look at. Look at all my achievements. Look at how wonderful things I've done. That's not healthy either. So it's it's the right understanding of oneself. And again, another person going all the way forward to the 20th century is a guy called Jim Collins, and he wrote a fascinating book called Good to Great. And that's very much about companies that make the leap from being good companies to great companies. He says, what is it about their leaders? And what was fascinating was he gave something called level five leadership. And level five leadership, and again, this is from the book it's on page 97, he's, he talks about these leaders who make these companies that grow exponentially. So, you know, you're, you're, you know he was writing before their time, but you'd be people like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. He says, what these kind of leaders have is an intense professional will. So they've got a very clear, crystal clear determination about where they're going. But they also have extreme personal humility as well. So they're very clear and focused where they're going, but they're not so full of themselves. Mm. Their achievements, they're not, they don't believe their own press releases. They've got a very sober estimation of their weaknesses and their failings. And they're able to navigate their relationships. You know, we, we talked in the first podcast all about those three questions and why is it some people can be successful, but actually also be fun to be around, people who are easier to get on with. There's that paradoxical blend of intense professional will. You know, to say, I've got to, I know where I'm going. I know the direction I'm going and I'm going to give it my very best shot to get there. And no matter what the setback, what the failure, I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going because I know what I am about. I know who I am. But I'm not going to do that in a way that makes me walk over people or makes me treat people like dirt or anything like that. Yeah. So having, wis- having wisdom within ego sounds yeah. to me like ego, a good, healthy ego runs hand in hand with respect. Yes, respect. That's, that's the way I'm kind of hearing Respect it. for yourself, respect for others. Because I think the other big thing to say, and this is this I think I find really fascinating, is the greatest sin in the world. According, you know, again, we're, we're as disciples of Christ who follow the Bible, the, they would say, the, and I think you could argue actually from whatever way you look at it, the most dangerous thing in the world 
is actually unhealthy pride. And I, I, I need to explain that way because there is healthy pride, unhealthy pride in the sense that, you know, I talked about this, this quote from Tim Keller, this ruthless, unsmiling concentration on the self that's always looking at relationships, trying to say, am I superior to you or am I inferior to you? And again, it can go both ways, always trying to be one up on people. But even if I'm trying to always saying, oh, I'm nobody, I'm always less than somebody, I'm always less than somebody, that's pride as well. C.S. Lewis explains it, I think, very beautifully when he talks about how if you have a group of people who would say doing wrong things, so you've got a group of, say, thieves or a group of prostitutes or you know, a group of people doing bad things, however you want to define it, those people can be friends because they can do things that are wrong but they can still have that relationship and friendship. But a group of proud people, unhealthy proud people, can never be friends because the moment any one of the group slips up, then he's out. And so they've got to wear these masks of respectability or being in the in-group, being in the in-crowd. That's why actually pride is so dangerous. It's the ultimate, I mean, you know, it's the ultimate sin. And more so than anything else. I mean, it, it, it's quite remarkable that that's, that, that's what um, I believe the scriptures would say, really. See, I think, I think that's quite scary, really. I, I think that the way I'm sort of hearing it is that if people have a, an ego, an unhealthy ego. An unhealthy, yeah, that's, maybe that's a good way to put it. Yeah. An unhealthy ego. Yes. Then that's going to be really difficult to hear the wisdom within yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Because as soon as, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. I was, I was having trouble actually getting yes. the words out there. But um, what I'm effectively actually saying is that to have an unhealthy ego, that's like building a brick wall. It is building a wall. Because everything is with reference to me. How is this making me look? Everything is about me. So in fact, the universe is richly running around me and I'm comparing everything to me. And, you know, and, and we do it in small and big ways. You know, we all struggle with this, you know, um, <laughs> at home, you know, when I find myself criticising my wife and children for not doing something, but I myself don't do it. Mm. I'm very quick to blame others. I'm very quick to make excuses. I'm very quick to deny, you know, my, my responsibility. That's all ego. That's all ego talking. And we can do that unconscious without being aware of it. And the more powerful that unhealthy ego is, the more dangerous it is. So what is a healthy balance with ego? Yeah, I mean, on page 98, because it's such an important subject, on page 98, I quote, I give two quotes. I give one from Isaac Denison. And Isaac Denison's comment is, talking about healthy pride, is his success is the idea of God successively carried through and he's in love with his destiny. As the good citizen finds his happiness in the fulfillment of his duty to the community, so does the proud man find his happiness in the fulfillment of his fate. Mm. So the point being mm. is being in love with the idea that God has for you, wanting what God wants for you. And then Tim Keller again, he talks about the gospel humble person, which I think covers that really well. He says, he talks about the truly gospel humble person is a, is a self-forgetful person whose ego is just like his or her toes. It just works. It does not draw attention to itself. The toes just work. The ego just works. Neither draws attention. And, and again, neither draws attention to itself. So when the ego is functioning well, you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on what you're doing. You're fully in the present. Think of children. Think of children mm. playing. Mm. Think of children taking delight in the world around them. 
that's a very, you know, that's showing a healthy sense of ego, not saying, not drawing attention to oneself, but saying, look, look with me at something wonderful. Look at me. And it's such a difference. I remember I was working out in the Caribbean for a while. I remember going, I was up in the rainforest. I used to love going out in the rainforest, yes. petrified of snakes, but you know, I'm having a rainforest. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, yeah. And, and I, I heard this laughter from children. Yeah, yeah. And I remember this so clearly. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I thought, I've never heard laughter like it. Oh, never wow. heard laughter like it. Yeah, Suddenly, yeah. jumping through these bushes are yeah. these young children, yeah. and they're running through with a stick and a ball, which anyone, say, in the Western world, yes. would literally just throw away yeah. years ago. Yeah. And they were just hitting this ball. They were having such a... They were just in the moment. They were in the sink. Then I remember this little this youngster who couldn't keep up, suddenly, like, count 30 seconds, jump through the bush and run after them. It's brilliant. Yes. But, you know, there is a different type of ego and wisdom, I think, to where you're being brought up as well. Yes. That's my point. And it does start at a young age. Yeah. It, yeah. it does start well, at a young age. Again, your childhood influences are huge. They're really, really powerful. Now, Very... when you were talking previously, a question popped up into my head. I then picked up your book. Mm. I opened up to read along with you. And the question that I was going to ask you is actually sitting as one of your subheadings. Okay? <laughs> right, okay. And I found that's why I'm smirking. That's why when you were reading, if anyone sees that and I'm smirking, it's because of that. It's here's the question, okay? And I think this is the big question. How do I develop the wisdom to recognize when my ego is getting out of control? What a great question. Yeah, it's what a huge question. Because in a sense, that's ultimately where, as it were, as we say in English, isn't it? The rubber hits the road because it's always talking about that abstractly. But how do I in real time begin to know that actually my, maybe I'm being egotistical here? And we've talked about this in other podcasts is you've got to create space for self-awareness to think about your own thinking. You know, I, and I've talked about the importance of having time to get out of the noise and the busyness of life, to slow down, stop, and remember that you're a human being and not a human doing. Remember, you know, and as we've shared, you know, a, a daily routine with God and his word and scripture and things like that. But what that does, if you can create that space, you know, they, they talk about, psychologists talk about stimulus and response. And between stimulus and response, you know, if you take primitive organism like an amoeba, is that you, you poke it at one end and it moves the other end. So there's, or you take a knee, you, you know, you, you press your knee and your knee goes mm, up, mm. okay? That's for primitive organisms and systems. We're much more complex than that. And one of the things is between stimulus and response is a space. So just because somebody says something nasty to you doesn't mean to say that you have to be nasty back. You know, we say things like, he makes me so mad. She makes me so furious. Well, actually, stop and think about it. Nobody makes you mad or furious without you giving them permission. If you had the self-awareness to stop and reflect and think, you could think, well, that was a nasty thing to say. <laughs> I'm not going to respond. I mean, I, give you, I remember this was a few years ago. I had an argument with my wife and I said something. I, thank goodness I can't remember. I said something that was hurtful. And dear Sally, she stood there and she looked at me and she said, I could get really angry with you, but I'm not going to. And boy, was I put in my place. Yes. <laughs> was I put in yes. my place? <laughs> me. Because she had the right balance of ego there. And between stimulus and response, I said something that was hurtful. And she had the right level of ego to say, I'm not going to go down that road. And did you have the wisdom to say sorry? Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 was, <laughs> yeah. I was put in my place. I was put in my place. So the key thing is recognizing when am I going down that road? And, and, you know, and that's on page 101. And we talk about that in terms of 
recognizing it in terms of playing the comparison game. And remember, I talked about that story again with uh, with uh, Lewis thing about, about, you know, it's this comparison. Am I doing better? Am I doing worse? Mm-hmm. When I find myself comparing myself to others, saying, am I doing better than them? Am I doing, you know, are they doing worse than me? Oh, good. I'm doing better. You know, I'm doing, you know, that's ego speaking. Uh, that is ego speaking in there. And, you know, it can be dressed up in all sorts of ways. You know, I was in church leadership for 10 years. And one of the things that I realized I would do, how big is your church? How many people come on a Sunday? Oh, and you'd never say it. You know, you'd say, oh, you have more people. Oh, wonderful. I've got more people coming to my church than you do. Oh, I feel better than I But it's very subtle. You know? I think a good way of doing that as well is to be happy for other people's successes. Absolutely. And other people's skill set. Like, you know, do you know what? My... Daughter, I feel a bit emotional just thinking this. She um, was at school and her friend got this award. And she was delighted for them. She was absolutely over the moon for them. And I and I remember my my wife myself, we were looking at each other, we're like, you can ask for more than that. That's lovely. She's not like, I want that one. Now she probably would love that award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, and she's and we do advise well to go into if you want to go down that route, then what yeah. you probably need to do is apply this, but you're doing great, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just seeing that, you know, and yeah. I think that's a good place to start as well with your ego. Well, to stay. And I think I think if you can carry, you know, that that's the that's the wisdom is to be able to grow in that. And yeah. do you know what? It's really quite easy to begin. Yeah. What, even if it's not in your natural instinct yes. okay now yeah. i've got friends who will have a little dig at me if yeah. i'm doing well they'll have a little dig just to try and bring me down a bit mm. and but what i do is i'm always i acknowledge i counter it with something really positive about them yeah you see and i think it's really good if someone is achieving something that you're not necessarily achieving or I say really happy for you yes really really yeah. happy for you. congratulations and that just does just help manage your ego a little bit absolutely yeah that's that's yeah absolutely and then the, the second in a sense is this defensiveness and what i try and mean by that is saying is that and you, unfortunately this is this is what's so sad in our world really is that if we have different opinions or ideas about things and you say to me sunil i think that's i think your idea is absolutely stupid if my ego takes control then subconsciously i'm thinking elliot thinks i'm stupid who how dare he think that and so i'm very defensive of the idea because my identity is so wrapped up in it that you attack my idea, you're attacking me. Mm. And that's so dangerous. And, and, and so am I able to separate myself out and say, okay, maybe it's a stupid idea, but that doesn't mean to say I'm stupid. Okay, so let's, let's wrap this up then. Let's wrap this up. So give yeah. us a quick summary of managing your ego to help you find a better place within wisdom and ultimately dancing. Yeah, so yeah, so we've been talking about this huge, it's a huge subject, it's a huge complex subject about ego. And I hope it's, you know, it's helped our viewers and listeners to understand that it is a real enemy, not I'm saying enemy, it's getting the right balance of it. We've got to get the right balance. So it's not necessarily all bad because we are, you know, marvelous, complex, amazing beings, you know, wonderfully and beautifully created. You know, that's, you know the human brain, you know, that, that there's never ever will be a, a computer that will ever match us. In our complexity, human brain bodies are who we are, the potential that we have. And so it's nothing to be ashamed and embarrassed about. But again, we, we've got to get that right balance. So it's recognizing those things. We, we go about that in, in much more detail in the book. It's what you're talking about. It, it's growing not in childishness, but in childlike simplicity that's able to get that 
in a sense, you know, I, I gave that John Newton quote earlier on, in the sense of saying, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm not what I want to be, but I thank God I'm not what I once was. Mm. So seeing how far you come, giving thanks for that, and then looking forward to how far you've got to go. And that's, you know, in a sense, why this dancing with wisdom, it, it's a quest. It's a lifelong thing because you need to keep coming back to that day after day after day. Does that help? It does help. It does help a lot. And I think that what I'd like to do is sort of invite all of the listeners to, to actively take, just for, say, one week, actively take that silence every single day, that moment of solitude, to take themselves out and find an inner peace and see if you can start hearing that wisdom from within and just seeing how it makes you feel. And, and, if, and, and let us know. You know, you can contact us directly so they get hold of you. How, Sunil? Yeah, from drsunil.com is, is, is the website, yeah. Fantastic. You can get me at elliot at monkeynutuk.com or on the Monkey Nut Audiobooks Instagram or Facebook. And let us know how it's working out for you. And if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below. You can leave your name or a fake name. Um, and please do subscribe and give us a thumbs up. And if you're listening on the podcast, please do give us a five-star rating so other people can enjoy this as well. <laughs> it is, otherwise, because if we don't get it, well, then, then we're rubbish and then we're terrible. <laughs> so let's, uh, no, I've got the wisdom now to stop going down that path. So um, anyway, what, what a pleasure talking about this. And I'm sure we're going to revisit this again. Thanks so much, Sunil. Thanks, Elliot. You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Rahija and Elliot Frisby. For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give it a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it to grow by giving it a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which one will it be? Make sure you hunger for the wise one. The choice is yours.